Hello, everybody. It's Dave Neal, stand-up comic and host of Bachelor Nation News, your power recapper extraordinaire. And we are coming to you on this Thirsty Thursday, August 17th, 2023. A lot to get into today. Katie Thurston's cast photo was released for F-Boy Island. That and more on today's Bachelor Rush Hour. All right. Trouble is brewing here in sunny Southern California. That's right. As of this morning, there is a hurricane being labeled Hurricane Hillary. Now, look, I'm from New England. I'm used to a hurricane, which is usually a tropical storm by the time it gets up east. But a hurricane is here on the West Coast, and we are tracking it. We're going to be tracking this live. I'll be out there with the umbrella, seeing what's going on. Hillary, with one L, is currently a Cat 1 hurricane located south of the southernmost tip of Baja, California, Mexico. And it is currently experiencing rapid intensification as we speak. By later on today into tonight, Hillary will intensify into a Category 3 major hurricane west of Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. As we head into the next advisory by South Saturday morning, the storm will be west of the Baja California Peninsula, heading north, paralleling the western coast of Baja as the storm gradually weakens due to cooler waters west of Guerrero. All right. What does this mean for me? I don't know, but it looks like the trajectory is that it'll hit here because today's Thursday. So, I mean, they say it's rapidly intensifying, but it looks like it's not going to hit California till Monday or Tuesday, although we will be following that hurricane. Not used to these on the West Coast, but this is the world we live in, folks. And speaking of hurricanes, as in forces that cause chaos, Katie Thurston is on the next season of F-Boy Island. Season 3 of F-Boy Island will be premiering on the CW Network. Here is what Katie has to say for those that don't know what F-Boy Island is. Here is her explanation. So, I just finished filming F-Boy Island. F-Boy Island? Yes. F-Boy Island. How does it work? Okay, so I get to date a bunch of guys again. No, this is different. How? Well, for starters, I'm one of three women. Of course they want to pit the women against each other. Actually, no. All of us dated different guys and got to actually support each other during our time on the season. Okay, fine. Tell me about the guys. So there's a mixture of nice guys and F-boys. Villain. Mm, No, that's not a thing. Okay, then why does it even matter if they're a nice guy or an F-boy? Because at the end, there's going to be an engagement? God, no. What? There's actually $100,000 up for grabs. So at the end, if I pick a nice guy, we split the money. If I pick an F-boy, he holds the power now to choose to either split the money with me or take all the money and run. Okay, so then just don't pick an F-boy. We don't know who the F-boys are or the nice guys until later. Like after you've already developed feelings? Exactly. Gasp, right? This show sounds intense. Quite the opposite, actually. Uh, In fact, the host is a famous comedian, Nikki Glaser, and throughout the entire season, it's all just kind of satirical and just full of comedy. I'm intrigued. How can I watch? Actually, right now you can watch season two on CW and stream it free on their app. Why did you just do that? I don't know. I'm in like this weird like PR influencer mode. So tune in October 12th to watch season three of All the Madness on CW. Can you stop? I bet. All right. So there it is. I got to tell you, A plus on the editing. uh, Very well done when it comes to conversations one has with their self. Yeah. F-Boy is, and as I, as I, you guys know, I've been very honest about what I think of the editing of certain shows and how they're done. And to be quite honest, shows like Love is Blind, I actually, I, I truly mean this. I just don't like, I don't like Love is Blind until we get to like the reunion episodes. I don't like the pod conversations. I, I know a lot of 
of people do. It's like a bowl of warm soup. Well, guess what? I don't like soup. You know what I mean? I like something spicy. I like to eat some meat off the bone. I want to feel tribal. I want to, you know what I mean? I want 25 cent wing night. Uh, and uh, and uh, I think that's what F-Boy Island is going to be. Uh, boy, they should give me commission here for promoting it. Uh, it'll be on the CW network, which is probably a different sort of audience than HBO. But I feel like people will go find it. I mean, it's a buffet, right? That's how the internet is. When a show, when if a sh- look, I went to Freevee to watch Jury Duty, okay? Freevee is some random app. I heard it when the show was good. I found it. I consumed the show. That's the world we live in and very excited for it. She also posted a photo with the other two ladies of F-Boy Island. One is named Daniela Grace with 269,000 followers um, on Instagram. And the other is Haley Okiowo, who is a model with 6,000 Instagram followers, a fashion model. So I guess they all go after different types of guys. Then we have the dozens of bros on the show. We have a set of twins that co-own a trucking company. We'll be seeing if there's any tread left on their tires when we're done with it. And um, yeah, again, October 12th, very excited to follow this show. I think it's right up her alley. And you know what's right up my alley? Microdose Gummies, and that's today's Bachelor Rush Hour podcast sponsor. An incredible entry-level dose of THC that helps you feel just the right amount of good. Microdosing can help curb my anxiety and keep my creative mind feeling relaxed all day long. Here's how it's going to work. I have a show tonight in Huntington Beach, August 17th. That's right, today in Huntington Beach, California, and a stand-up show at 7. I'm going to go on stage at 8.45, have a good set, have a diet soda. I'm going to get home, and I'm going to be wired because that's how I feel after a stand-up show. And you know what I like to do when I feel wired at night? Have an edible. It helps calm me down so I can get back to my natural zoned-out vibe. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code RUSHHOUR to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. Again, microdose.com, code RUSHHOUR. Boy, Dave, how good is that? You promoted a stand-up show within a promotion, but that's why I like microdose. I like it because if I'm now trying to get some work done, maybe I'll have a sativa, which is more like brain focus microdosing. I'll have that with like an iced coffee, but when it comes time to close it up at the end of the night, and fall into my pillow and call it an evening. I just do a little bit of the Indica blend. That's the one for me. All right, let's jump to our next story. Uh, Of course, we've been following the very sad news in Maui. And of course, with any sad story, the fires in Maui and all the, you know, there's a a ton of stories that will come of that, of, of this disaster, a ton of heroic stories. But then there's also the idiots like Paris Hilton, who's vacationing on Maui after officials urged the tourists to stay home. I mean, honestly, all she had to do was leave the island. The hotel heiress and her family were spotted at a resort days after officials pleaded with tourists to avoid the area to preserve resources for disaster victims. I'm surprised they weren't kicked out of the resort. Shouldn't every resort in the area be used to house people? You know, why? I mean, in, in no, I mean, no offense, but like there, these resorts all get money from tourism, which probably decimates the local culture, right? So you'd think in a time of need, they could open their beds up and open their showers and kitchens and all that up to the people that are displaced. Wouldn't that be a better solution than throwing everybody in, in like a sort of a emergency cots in the middle of a warehouse somewhere? I don't know, folks. So either way, she's getting some 
uh, trouble for that. No surprise there. And then Britney Spears has an unfortunate uh, split happening with her husband. They are headed for divorce. He, I mean, well, I, I, not not to blame her here. Uh, Britney Spears is the victim of exploitation since her years as a teenager, and of course the mental health issues she has because of that, and the conservatorship that she finally got out of. Well, one of her only true supporters now filed for divorce. Britney Spears and her husband, Sam Asghari, have separated after a nuclear argument that involves allegations of cheating, TMZ has learned. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ about a week ago, Sam confronted Britney over rumors she stepped out on him. We do not know if the rumor has any basis in fact, but we're told Sam believed it and the two had a huge fight. Our sources say Sam has moved out of their house and is now living in a place of his own. One source put it, it's only a matter of time before Sam files for divorce. TMZ broke the story. There's been deep trouble with the couple's union for months. Sam wasn't sleeping at the house much and we're told Britney has gotten physical with him in blowout fights that include frequent screaming matches of course sadly we've seen britney spears uh, attacking paparazzi in the past uh, hitting uh, cars with umbrellas and look i don't exactly blame her she's dealt with this like i said exploitation and people following her and all the other issues and medic you know family putting on her, her on medication and uh she's she even claims she was on um uh, uh birth control against her will i mean wild wild stuff here the queen of pop Britney has a prenup which protects her assets, but one insider tells TMZ that likely end to the marriage will be a check from Britney to Sam that will settle things, at least financially. And look, that might just be the best case scenario. It's like, look, I, I mean, obviously, is this guy an a-hole? I have no idea. He might have been the most noble guy, but obviously when anyone is attaching themselves to Britney Spears, I think it's normal for audiences to be skeptical at the least. But of course, it's it's a lot to deal with. Um, the issues that come with marrying a queen of pop. I mean, not that I would know. I've got, the, I've got the queen. I've got the true queen, not the queen of pop. The queen of pop over here is just like my. I, and I, you know, I just grew a basic queen. That's what I go for. Not, jeez, oh, that sounds bad. Not like a basic queen, but just like a standardized queen of the household. I think that's what we all want here. If you've been following Britney's journey post conservatorship, the writing's been on the wall. At times, Britney's behavior has been erratic. We're told Sam was over it. So whether she cheated on him is yet to be seen. But obviously, it's going to be a he said, she said said in a real sad story there. Hey, we'll be back with more content right after a quick word from our sponsors. We'll get to some more Bachelor news in a minute, but in some other entertainment news, Catherine McPhee, remember her from American Idol? She also starred on one of my favorite shows at the time, Smash. Do you remember that show about Broadway? I loved it. Well, they have. she had to cancel a tour date abroad because there was a death in her family, and it's actually come out to be a horrifying story. Her son's nanny fatally run over an accident at Toyota dealership. I don't know if this is the Toyota dealership I was at recently, but obviously there's these dealerships have the, the area where cars go get serviced. There's people driving around and it's just a real tragic moment. David, uh, Catherine McPhee, she's married to uh, famed musician, David Foster's their son's nanny died after an elderly woman at a Toyota dealership ran her over with an SUV. Sources say the nanny at Yadira Kalido is the woman who died last week week in an incident at a San Fernando Valley car dealership. The fatal accident happened Wednesday morning at Hammer Toyota when an 84-year-old woman be behind the wheel of a Toyota RAV4 crashed into the customer reception area. Apparently, she meant to hit the brake and she hit the acceleration. I mean, tragic, horrifying, preventable, 
Absolutely. Now, do I do I believe that there needs to be uh, a driving test for people once they turn a certain age? Ah, I think so. And I don't mean to be ageist when I say that, but I feel like you should have a permit and a test done when you have arms. Uh, you know, that being guns, I feel like maybe, maybe it's not every year, but there's, there should be some sort of like, well, I got to go back in and, uh, let them know that I'm still a normal human that in my, you know, whatever. Oh, well I'm 74. I got to go to the DMV and do my biannual or like every two years you go in. And eventually if your eyes go, your eyes go like that's happening, you know, anyway, so tragic, sad. I mean, we, we just preventable, uh, I'd love to know what you guys think, though. So leave a comment on my Instagram if you have any thoughts on that. And we've been following the Michael Ower story. He, he, um, he, of course, was the star NFL player who the movie The Blind Side was about. He had a book in 2011 that actually admitted to knowing he had legal conservators in his, uh, quote-unquote, adopted parents who were played by Tim McGraw and uh, Sandra Bullock in the movie The Blind Side, which made $300 million. So we've been covering this story all week long. It's weird. It's sad. Uh, it, was, it was an original story of essentially white savior complex, which these white people saved this homeless guy and made him into the star football player and this and that, which might have been true. It might have been true that they got a guy off the streets and helped him out. But you have to look at what their motivation was. Were they just randomly helping some random guy? Uh, uh, or was it like... And again, I don't have any answers to this, but were they trying to impress the booster program for the university that they promote? I don't know about y'all in the South. You see, I said y'all there. I don't know about y'all, but it wouldn't put me past, it wouldn't put past, I wouldn't put it past me, excuse me, that there are people that are that diehard boosters that support their university, that they see a guy who's homeless and he's in high school and he's a D1 athlete and he's an All-American and they go, let's scoop him up. Let's get him to play for our college. I couldn't put it past them. But the problem is Michael accused them now, now that he's retired, he's 37 years young, retired from football. He accused them of duping him. He said, well, I didn't even know I wasn't adopted. It turns out they actually are my legal conservators. And and their reasoning said, hey, he was over 18. We actually couldn't adopt him. The only way we could get him health care and the only way we could get him to play on our school sports team is if we became conservators. Well, anyway, as we look back in his book written 12 years ago, he says, um, and let's read it, it kind of felt like a formality as I'd been a part of the family for more than a year at that point. Since I was already over the age of 18 and considered an adult by the state of Tennessee, Sean and Leanne would be named as my legal conservators. They explained to me that it means pretty much the exact same thing as adoptive parents, but that the laws were just written in a way that took my age into account. Now, They've said, we will end the conservatorship immediately if he wants to, um, which would give them financial rights over him. Because uh, first of all, conservatorships are just messed up. I think they were initially meant for people like Dr. Or is, it, is she a doctor? Diane Feinstein. Remember her? Talk about uh, people that are, uh, you know, on the older side of life. She, of course, uh, is in uh, the U.S. Congress. And do I have that right? It, either way, point is she's got a conservatorship, and yet that's because you you do that when you can't make all of the decisions for yourself, and yet for some reason she's still making policy for the rest of us here, 40 million Californians. That's another story for another day, folks. But either way, here's how here's here's what I have to say. If I were the judge for this Michael Orr case, I'd say, look, open up the books. Did Michael Orr's 
conservator parents or whatever, the blindside people, did they make money off of him? If so, pay it back to him. They are very wealthy people. If they didn't make money off of, like if they made more money off of Michael's story than he did, let's, because he's accusing them of getting 2.5% of the back end of what the blind side makes, which would have been like $50 million. Can't that be proven very easily? If they did make that money, I would say a least 30 to 50% of that should go to Michael. Uh, part of the story is Michael's part of the story is theirs. And he should be rewarded for sharing his story that way. They say they only made eight or 900,000. So just a discrepancy that is out there. And we will continue on this ugly, ugly story and see what the truth is, which we really just don't know at this point. And speaking of disputes involving money, uh, yesterday, Raquel Levis, aka Rachel Levis, was on Bethany Frankel's podcast and discussed the fact that uh, I think Bethany Frankel said Raquel made less money than interns. Now, there are plenty of reality shows like Love is Blind, where if you take how much money they're being paid versus how many hours they're working, uh, as Nick Thompson has said, he's, they, all, they started the UCAN Foundation to provide sort of a union uh, uh, collective bargaining for these unscripted reality TV stars. They were getting like $7 an hour. That, that reality TV show. As far as, you know, Bachelor, if you're not the lead, you get paid zilch, zero, nada. So a lot of people were upset to hear Raquel didn't get paid that much money for the torment she went through, rightfully caused. She, of course, broke up a marriage. But here we have Lisa Vanderpump, sort of queen bee of the Vanderpump family, saying, oh, Raquel got paid. Here's what she had to say. Really haven't seen it, uh-huh. but I'm going to work, and guess what? Okay. Paid more than an intern. Okay. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. She said Raquel got paid more than an intern. Yeah, she said she's not getting paid. Do you think? Do you think she deserves to get paid more? Because you know she kind of created this whole drama, and everyone's making a lot of money off of it. She got very well paid. Okay. She got paid three hundred sixty-one thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that is a lot. But for the new season, do you think? All right, so she got paid three hundred and sixty-one thousand dollars. Now, I know to you and to me, to us plebeians, that seems like a lot of money, and in some ways it is. Once you take taxes out and agent fees, I'm I'm assuming she has an agent that takes ten percent out. You're looking at around. I'm going to go with 120 grand. That's what I'm uh, 150. That's what I'm going to say she probably got at the end of it, which hey, that's a good chunk of money. How much though did she spend in therapy? How much so I'm not a huge fan of Raquel, but just to be fair, if we're going to discuss how much Raquel got paid, let's discuss how much Vanderpump producers made and how much Andy Cohen made because that show didn't just print money it shit out money. Literally, it shit out money. It became the biggest story out there. So many people profited off of it. I kind of, I made a few bucks off of it. Not much. I probably made a thousand bucks. You know, it, it, my, my stories covering it didn't really take uh, take any steam here. So I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to uh, Venmo Raquel any, anything here. But I'm guessing People like Andy Cohen and people like, uh, uh, you know, all the, I mean, this show was on the verge of getting canceled. Now, I'm not saying they should be thanking Raquel for cheating and, and, and hooking up with Tom Sandoval and breaking up a relationship and all that. She is just an equal party to the uh, sort of wake that was cast and monetized. And so whether she got paid or not, she clearly didn't get her share 
of that whole mess. Uh, and others uh, are uh, actually upset at Tom Sandoval. And you know what? We're going to get to that in a second. I'll, I'll be back right after the break and we'll discuss why folks are mad at Tom Sandoval and wonder if Raquel should be suing him. More on that right after this. All right, so essentially the reason why Ariana caught Tom Sandoval in a uh, cheating, Tom Sandoval dated Ariana for nine years, Ariana caught him cheating because she found a video that Tom Sandoval had recorded of Raquel doing a sexual act on camera, maybe FaceTiming or whatever, to Tom Sandoval. Uh, So there's a lot to break down here, but essentially the main issue is he recorded Raquel without her consent. Were they in a state? I'm assuming he was in California. I think she might have been on the East Coast. I'm assuming they were long distance at this point. But point being, you can't do that. And I wonder if she could sue him for recording her. And how do you prove that you didn't give consent? I don't I don't really know, folks. I don't know how that would all shake out. My guess is she's not going to sue him uh, because that would just drag a whole thing into a deeper spiral. Although maybe she would. Maybe she'd be so bitter that she would. We'll have to see how that all shakes out as we follow it. So the only stories I have today for The Bachelor on YouTube is the Katie Thurston one, which I already shared with you. It's a visually based story because it shows what the new contestants on FY Island look like. But the other one I have is actually a story involving Sean, the uh, uh, ex of charity. Sean McLaughlin was on this season. I'm not going to get into the depths of the story, but it was a real, I mean, it was a real hit piece. This insider.com, formerly Business Insider, they're, they they know what they're doing online when they make topics that are controversial, um, people picking sides politically on different issues. Uh, and in this case, they interviewed Sean McLaughlin. My guess is they called him or DM'd him and asked him for a comment about what he thinks would have happened if he had Charity Lawson on his season of The Bachelorette. Uh, uh, on his hometown, if he made it to hometowns. And he shared, hey, my family would love her. We'd do a parade. She would feel incredibly loved. Basic stuff. And then Insider.com dives into Sean McLaughlin's dad, who, as I talk about, and I think prosecute my point relatively effectively, is a piece of shit human. He's all about divisiveness and fear-based rhetoric and this and that. And so is his dad outwardly racist? No, but does he play into a lot of tropes that are dividing people? Yes, I think it would take a basic Google search for people to find that out. And you have to have those conversations if you are in an interracial relationship. Those are conversations that Sean might not have had to have in the past, but Charity most certainly would if she went to Sean's hometown. None of which happened. They wrote the article anyway, even though Sean has since been kicked off the show. Uh, we did see Sean on Mental All not looking great. Of course, invited himself to the hot seat, uh, then promptly got kicked out. Well, a weird moment, just very much looking for the attention. But isn't that why you go on the show in the first place because you need attention. I get it. I'm a comedian. I want attention. If you want to show me that attention tonight, uh, Huntington Beach, they're telling me a lot of tickets are sold. We're going to actually have a pretty fun time tonight as we beat out this hurricane. Let's. Uh, we got a few days before it arrives here, uh, but I'll be in Huntington Beach at the Rec Room, 7 p.m. show tonight, and then one week from today in Seattle. Tickets are selling there as well. Seattle's uh, Comedy Bar. You can go to linktree.com slash Dave Neal. There's a link in the description below, or just go to my Instagram and see the link there to buy tickets. If you're having any issue buying tickets, just send me a DM, and I'll hook you up. All right, well... Can you believe the week is almost over? I mean, honestly, where has life gone? My 30s 
have gone by so fast. I remember how slow it was being a child. Life is just speeding up and we can't stop it. And it's we're almost at the weekend again. So anyway, I appreciate you guys spending your time with me. I appreciate y'all giving me a chance here on your rush hour drive home. I do not take this opportunity lightly. And I appreciate all the new listeners. So many of you guys out there. So thank you all for the kind uh, uh, reviews you're leaving on the podcast apps. Thank you for sharing us with your friends and for all of your support. It is very much appreciated. If you can't make it to these comedy shows tonight in Huntington Beach and next week in Seattle, I'll post them for you. I'll be filming my sets and you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Neal if you want to check it out. Maybe you've got fear of missing out. Well, don't miss out any longer. Join the Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Neal. All right. Well, we'll be back tomorrow for a Freaky Friday. I'm actually off to go interview Brian Abasolo, the husband and winner of Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette. I've got that interview happening this afternoon. We'll see if he gives me a chiropractic adjustment. Uh, A boy can dream. Get those hands on me, Mr. Brian. We'll talk to you guys later. I've been Dave Neal, and this was Bachelor Rush Hour. (laughs) 